This is KMTT, and this is Ezra Bek, and today is Friday, Yom Shishi. Gimel Menachem Av, Erev Shabbat Kodesh, Parshat Dvarim. And this is also Shabbat Chazon, we're in the nine days, the days preceding Tisha B'Av. And today, as opposed to our usual Erev Shabbat program, I would like to talk about a little bit about Mikdash and Choban, the Temple and Destruction and our relationship to what we once had and to what is missing. My text is a Gemara in Sanhedrin, Daftzadi Vav Aleph, 96a, Parag which discusses, the Gemara there relates an incident from the early life of the Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar was the king of Bavel, who destroyed the Beit HaMikdash. This Gemara is discussing an incident that took place way before he was king. He's merely a functionary, a clerk, in the court of a previous king of Bavel, king whose name is Baladan. At this time, Bavel is an insignificant kingdom. The important empire in the Middle East is Ashur, Assyria, as we know. The king of Ashur, Sancherev, conquered Yehuda, placed Yerushalayim under siege, almost destroyed Yerushalayim. The Gemara presents Sancherev as being a an opponent of of God and Torah and Yerushalayim and Mikdash, at least as equal to Nebuchadnezzar, if not even greater, in terms of his aspirations, in terms of what he stands for. Although he's unsuccessful, and a great miracle takes place, and, and his king, his, his army is destroyed. In any event, we're not talking about Ashur, we're talking about the small kingdom of Bavel, which has a king whose name is Merodach Baladan ben Baladan. The Pasuk says, in Yeshayahu Deflametet, Ba'itahi Shalach Marodach Baladan Ben Baladan Melach Babel Sfarim. This small kingdom, the king sent letters. He uh, basically forged an alliance. He sent a friendly letter to Chizkiyahu, the king of Yehuda. Okay, we're in the period where Chizkiyahu was king of Yehuda. Chizkiyahu was a righteous, a great and righteous king. The prophet is Yeshayahu. And as you remember, I actually discussed this in the Shur on Wednesday this week. Chizkiyahu had fallen ill. Yeshayahu had told him he was going to die. And ultimately he prays to God and he receives an extension on his life and he gets better. Uh, why did Merodach Baladan ben Baladan ba'etahi at that time send letters to Chizkiyahu? So the Gemara explains, Mishum, ki chala Chizkiyahu. Chizkiyahu had been sick. Vayachazak, but he got better. So, Merodach Baladan sent him letters as well as a gift. Why? To inquire because of the, the sign, the miracle that had taken place. What miracle had taken place? has a story that when Achaz, the king Achaz, had died, the day was shortened. It was only a two-hour day, and ten hours were missing. Those ten hours were returned to the earth when Chizkiyahu uh, recovered from his illness. What does this mean? Well, this is not our point today. But apparently, Achaz, who is described as being not a not a good king, he 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 had disobeyed God, so his reign. The day he died, inaugurated, left a certain hole, a certain lacking in the world, or in God's world. 
that was symbolized by the shortened day. But Chizkiel, especially now that he recovered from his illness and would continue to rule, so this represented a a shining, it represented a, a re-inaugural of the proper state of affairs between God and the Jewish people. And this is symbolized by the return of the ten hours. But the ten hours returning involves an astronomical miracle of unusually great proportions. Uh, the day all of a sudden is much longer than it, than, it, than it should have been. And this is not limited to the people living in Yehuda, but the whole world is aware of this. And therefore Baladan was aware of it, and he, he wanted to understand it, and therefore he wrote to Chizkiah. What happened? Amar Lahem, Baladan said to his uh, advisors, My high, well, what's going on? Why is the sun hovering in the sky for so long? They told him, they, I don't know if they knew it, but they told him, Chizkiyahu had been sick, and now he got better. So, Barodach Baladan, this non-Jewish king of an insignificant kingdom in Mesopotamia, exclaimed, Ika gavra ki hai, velo be'ina lishturi le'ishlama. There is a man like this, Chizkiyahu is obviously a very, very important and great individual that the world would stop to celebrate or to commemorate his recovery. And I have no connection with him. I've never even said hello to him. Kitvulei Shlama. Write, write him a letter of Shalom. Write him a greeting. What should you write? Write the following. Shlama Lemalka Chizkiyahu. Shalem the Kauta di Yerushalayim. Shalem le Eloka Rabba. So this was the text of the letter. It's a formal court letter sent from the kingdom of Babel to the kingdom of Yehuda. Peace unto the king Chizkiyahu. Peace to the city of Yerushalayim. And peace to the great God. Meaning the great God of, of Chizkiyahu. Okay, now we get to the good part. The Nebuchadnezzar. This man who we know later on is the king, the emperor who will destroy the Beit HaMikdash. Nebuchadnezzar, Safei the Baladan Havi, he was a clerk, he was a sofer, a scribe, of King Baladan. He wasn't there, he was away, it was his day off. Okay, he wasn't in court that time. So somebody else wrote the letter. When he came, he said to them, he said to the people who had written the letter, he was the main scribe, they were only his assistants, he said to them, what did you write? Tell, tell me the text that you wrote. So they said to him, this is what we wrote, what we just quoted before. Peace unto King Chizkiyahu, peace unto the city of Yerushalayim, peace to the great God. He said to them, Nebuchadnezzar said to the scribes of Baladan, You call him the great God. Remember, we're dealing with, with idolaters, with pagans. There are many, many gods. The expression, means the God who is greater than all the other gods. So to us, the whole concept is, is ridiculous. We would not think of praising God by saying that He's the God who is greater than other gods. But to a pagan, that's true praise. There are many, many gods, but the God of Yehuda, the God of this not particularly significant kingdom on the coast of the Mediterranean, He is Eloka Rabba. He's the God of all gods. Elokeha Elokim. Melech Machayam Lachim. So you've called Him the great God, but you wrote Him at the end. You gave him the last shalom. First you said shalom to Chizkiyahu, then you said shalom to the city of Jerusalem, and then you said, you said, you said shalom to the great God. Amar Ella, he said to them, 
This is the way you should write it. And he simply reversed the order. Shalem lelaka rabba. Shalem lekarta diu shalem. Shalem lemalka dechiskia. So he told him to reverse the order. Put chiskia at the end. First God, then Yushalayim, then Chizkiah. You'll ask as an aside, why does Yushalayim come before Chizkiah? I think it's clear that that's proper protocol, although this, I don't know what they have, I mean, or why they were it wrong the first time. The Yushalayim is the kingdom of David and all his descendants. It's the dynasty. Chizkiah is only the individual. So first God, then Yushalayim, and then Chizkiah. Amrilei, so they said to him, Karyana de Igata Iulavi Pavanka. They said to him, Look, if it's your idea, then you should be the Shliach. You should be the person to take care of it. This is a famous expression used today in rabbinic circles. If you have a good idea, we tell you to fulfill it. We tell you the one to carry it out. The problem was that the letter had already been sent. He started running after the Shliach, the person who was carrying the letter, to get him back and want to fix it. Ata Gavriel Vukme. Gavriel, the, the, the angel, the archangel Gabriel came and stopped the Vuchanetzal from running. This is our crucial line now. Had not Gavriel stopped the Vuchanetzal after the four steps that he had taken in the right direction, then there would never have been any, any future, no hope. For, for the Jews. In other words, that because of this action of the Muchanetzah, that he, he stood up for the honor of God to put him at the beginning of the sentence, and, and had even run, he'd taken four steps in order to correct that situation and to increase the honor of God, that apparently is why he was granted, as you will, the the reward of being able to destroy the Beit HaMikdash. If he had done more, if he had taken more than four steps, he would not have destroyed the Beit HaMikdash, he would have destroyed the whole Jewish people. So Gavir stopped him so that he shouldn't have too much merit. Because Nebuchadnezzar's plan eventually will be to conquer the world and destroy God, destroy the place of God in the world. And his praise and, and, and efforts for the honor of God now is what gives him his strength. So he will succeed because of what he's done, but he will succeed even more, too much more, had he done any more, and if Gavriel had stopped him. I think there are two questions we can ask about this Midrash. First of all, why did Chazal make it up? In other words, Nebuchadnezzar is a vicious murderer, a destroyer. He was personally sadistic. The way he treated the children of Chizkiyahu, uh, the Ahmed Vashim, which really elaborate on this. He wasn't just your average run of the mill Vasha. He's a major, major, major anti God, anti the Jewish people. Why did they, in fact, choose the Bukhanesah to illustrate the proper way in which to praise God and, and, and to praise God's name when writing a letter to King Chizkiyahu? Secondly, what in the world is the connection between? Okay, he did a good thing and destroying the Beit HaMikdash. If Nebuchadnezzar had in his youth shown a proper appreciation for the glory of God and the honor of God, so can't you give him some other reward? Perhaps you can let him build the Beit HaMikdash? What is the connection between destroying the Mikdash, which obviously is a callous disregard for God's glory, and the honor of God? 
that's what gave him the power to do the opposite of what he's doing now. The whole, the whole story is paradoxical and, 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 and un- difficult to understand. To understand this, we have to really understand the relationship between Nebuchadnezzar and the other person in this story, King, King Chizkiah. Basically, this story, this Midrash is telling us that the, the seeds of the destruction of the Beit HaMikdash, at least as concerned Nebuchadnezzar's ability to do so, go back to the reign of King Chizkiah. Many, many years before Nebuchadnezzar ascended the throne of Babel, and many years before anyone even thought there would be such a thing as the destruction of the Beit HaMikdash. The Perek in Yeshayahu, that this is based on is Perek Lametet. Lametet, in fact, is the first prophecy of the destruction of the Mikdash in, 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 in Tanakh, in Yeshayahu. So it makes sense that we should find here a, a seed. But Chazal, in fact, I think, trace it back even further. Yeshayahu Perek Tet. The ninth parak of Yeshayahu is a parak that talks about Geulah, not about Churban. And it has one of the most important psukim about the Mashiach. Ki yeled yulad lanu, ben nitan lanu, batahiyam Israel shichmo, vayikra shemo pele yo'etz kel gibor, avi ad sang shalom. There will be a child born. And he will carry, will carry the future on his shoulders. His name will be pele yo'etz kel gibor, avi ad sang shalom. The following pasuk reads: "Lemarbeha misrab leshalom ein kaitz al kisei David v'almam lachtol achino tau lesaada b'mishpatu b'tzdaka miyata v'yad olam kinat Hashem tzvakot ta'asezot." It describes the Davidic messianic kingdom, endless peace on the throne of David, miyata v'yad olam forever, mishpat u'tzdaka miyata v'yad olam, righteousness and justice forever. The first word of that pasuk, Limarbeha Misra, Limarbe the Mem, is written with a final Mem and not a regular Mem. A final Mem is a closed Mem, it's a circle, it's a square, as opposed to a regular Mem which is open. The Gemara asks, why was this Mem, the only Mem in the middle of a word that's written in the final form? Why is there a closed, sealed Mem? And the Gemara says, because Chizkiyahu's future was sealed. Why was Chizkiyahu's future sealed? God had a plan to make Chizkiyahu the Mashiach. And Sanchevev, his great opponent in Ashur, would be Gog and Magog. But Justice said, how can you do that? Chizkiyahu, when he was saved from Sanchevev, when Sanchevev's army melted away overnight at the walls of Jerusalem, he did not sing Shira, he did not sing a song of praise to God. David HaMelech, who wrote all these songs in Sefer Tirim, he wasn't the Mashiach. How can you make Chizkiyahu, who saw this great miracle and didn't say Shiva, how can he be Mashiach? Now, was Chizkiyahu insensitive? Was he, did, did he not think that God had saved him? Does Chizkiyahu lack faith? Chizkiyahu is described by Chazal as the most righteous of kings. A king who spread Torah, Midan, Va'ad, Be'er A king who, when he died, they placed a Sefer Torah on his coffin and said, Ki ze they, they equated him with the Sefer Torah. He fulfilled what's written in, 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 in the Sefer Torah. Medrash and Shia Shir and Rabbah describes Chizkiyahu's answer as to why he didn't say Shira, he didn't sing a song in response to the miracle of Sanchevev. Chizkiyahu said, why should I do that? What am I going to tell anybody? Everybody knows that God is great. After all, they visually 
perceived the stopping of the sun at the time of Gid'on, and they had perceived the splitting of the sea when the Jews left Egypt. Everyone knows that God is great. What can I possibly add? What does this mean about Chizkiyahu? Chizkiyahu was indeed righteous and a tzaddik and a tamad chacham and a wonderful person and, and, a, and a wonderful king. Chizkiyahu lacked the meaning of shira, of song, of poetry. Chizkiyahu was willing to write a book or make a speech if he could tell the people something new that they didn't know. Give them some information. Do you know that God is great? They say, we all know God is great. We've seen all these miracles in the past. If you, have, if you don't have a chiddush, if you don't have something new to say, then Chizkiyahu said, there's nothing for me to say. Shirah isn't based on a chiddush. When you say Tehillim, or you say Halel on a Chag, there's nothing new there. It says, Hodul Hashem Kitov, Kiyolam Let us praise God for His, for His grace and wonder, and, and, and wonder is forever. It's not something new. It's not a new fact that we didn't know. Shira expresses the significance of this second. It could be that a, a minute ago we said the same thing, but that was the significance of that minute. When, when Gid'on, uh, when Yeshua, when Yeshua stopped the sun in the sky, people said Shira. You can say the same words now, but it won't be the same words. It's not the same Shira. Because the Shira, poetry, song, expresses the unique character of this particular second in history. Being Mashiach, being Gogu Magog, Geula, they all depend on recognizing God's unique presence in this particular second, above the routine of creation. The world is good. God made a wonderful world. It doesn't need redemption. It does need redemption because the steady state affairs is God's will, but there's also the development where each second connects to the previous second, leading up to the kingdom of God. Biyata Mashiach, Gogo Magog, Geula, etc. Chizkiyahu says, I learn Torah every day. He, he missed the point of what had happened that one second earlier when the angel had gone through the camp of Ashur and destroyed hundreds of thousands of soldiers. At that very moment that Chizkiyahu goes back to his daily routine of prayer and study, there's a minor scribe in the kingdom of Bavel who stirs himself to make sure that Baladan's reaction to a particular miracle should be exactly appropriate. should not be approximately right, but to grasp the significance of this moment. There had been a miracle had taken place. The sun had, had stretched out the day for ten extra hours. And Baladan, Nebuchadnezzar, realized that this is a, an occasion to praise God. What do you say? You don't say anything chiddish. You say, Shalom le'eloka rabba. Peace unto the great God. But it has to be done right. And he stirs himself and begins to run. He takes four steps in the right direction in order to prevent the moment from being not merely overlooked, but even slighted. That this moment should get its absolutely proper reaction. It's the exact opposite of Chizkiyahu. Chizkiyahu can let the moment go by and not give it any special significance. He doesn't need to give it special significance because he's a tzaddik. And he does every day the same thing. He learns, he davens, he does mitzvot. No day is different than any other. Nebuchadnezzar is a rasha. Most of his days he spends probably doing evil. But at a given moment, he indeed grasped that this moment requires a perfect reaction to its unique significance. The glory of God 
in this Gemara, Shlomo Lelokarabba, is proclaimed not by the steadfast walls of Yerushalayim or the mitzvot of its king, but by the Sofer, the Safra of the king of Babel. And at that moment, the prophecy of the eternal kingdom of God and the peace of David's kingdom is closed, it's sealed, it's limited, it's restricted. And then, not that there's a Xeran now to destroy the Beit HaMikdash, but when the sins of the generations begin to increase, the prophecy of Yeshayahu and Perektet cannot overcome the, the, the approaching Choban. What is the Mikdash? What is the, the temple that we do not have? Chazal make a point of saying that in the temple there were constant miracles. It was a place where the laws of nature didn't apply. The fire burnt on the Mikdash, on the altar, excuse me, on the, on the Mizbeach, in rain and snow, never went out. The light of the menorah lit up all the streets of Yerushalayim. There were no street lamps in Yerushalayim because the Beit HaMikdash lit up all of Yerushalayim. Etc. There are many Gemarot. The Mikdash was a place which was not steady state nature. It was the unique. It represents, it represents not daily natural law, but constant revelation. Direct presence of God. Nivu'ah. Prophecy. Revelation. Every second there was the presence of God at that particular second. If we cannot grasp the unique revelation of a moment, then the Mikdash loses its basis of existence. Now the world can exist without a Mikdash. It's a fact. For 2,000 years, the world has existed without the Mikdash. Long enough that we've forgotten what it is that we're missing. But natural law exists. And there's, there's, there's religious existence without a Mikdash. Faith and Munah relates to God as a constant, as Osem Maseh the God of nature, of creation. We've relinquished in the Vuchanetzah the perception of the unique, the hand of God. The Jewish people can survive, as the Gemara says, God is found and we find Him in the four cubits of Halacha, of daily truth of daily obedience to God's will. How come the Vuchanetzah could see the unique significance of a second and Chizkiyahu could not? Because the ability is not dependent on whether you're good or bad. One can be very, very good precisely because one perceives the constant truth of God's will and fulfills it. One learns Torah because that's the Torah which existed 2,000 years before the, Torah, before the world was even created. And, 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 and God's will and you follow the mitzvah of the Torah. Nebuchadnezzar, I wouldn't say despite being evil. I wouldn't say because being evil. Nebuchadnezzar who is evil, but he has the quality of, of, of living historical destiny. In his case, feeling the pressure of history, he will attempt to conquer the entire world and reorganize it. He will attempt to create a new kingdom which because the Mikdash is in his way, he will destroy the Mikdash. As an aside, I'm reminded of an amazing book which I highly recommend. It's a little bit out of fashion today. A book by Franz Werfel. 
It's written uh, over 70 years ago. Called Hearken Unto the Voice. It's a retelling of the life of Yumiyahu Hanavi. I read it once, either in the 90s, I think I read it on Tishabav once. The book is an astonishing, an astonishing book of getting into Yumiyahu's life and the, and the eventual destruction of the Beit HaMikdash, which is described in the book. And one of the things that Franz Wilfel describes there is he tries to describe the personality of, 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 of the Muchanetza. What the Muchanetza wanted, the Muchanetza was an ideologue, an evil ideologue, organizing the whole world around one axis, and, and, and the Mikdash in Yushalayim does not allow that. And that's why, since he couldn't build the Mikdash, he's going to destroy it and put up. Daniel describes how he built this amazingly huge idol, the Bikat Dura a golden idol and said that all the people in the world should bow down to it he's, he's a kind of monotheist so to speak more than that he's a, he's a monohumanist he wants all humanity to be organized around one around one thing which in his case will be himself that's what Chizkiah was missing Nebuchadnezzar has a picture of historical destiny which eventually will lead him to become one of the great evil figures of the world but at one point in his life the, the basic ability to grasp the moment led him to declare the uniqueness and the glory of God's intervention in history. The Gemara says that Kol Do, every generation which Mikdash is not rebuilt, is a generation which Mikdash has been destroyed. In other words, don't imagine that we live in a state where there is no Mikdash. There's no such state. There is a state like that, but that's the wrong way to look at it. From the point of view of Mikdash, you can't have a, a, a state where there is no Mikdash. You have a state where the Mikdash is being destroyed. Something is happening. The dynamism, either it's built or it's destroyed. Something has to be happening. And the Gemara says that if, if we haven't been Zohar to have the Mikdash been rebuilt, then we are suffering through its destruction. And the question is, have we, who are basically students of HaMelech Hizkiyahu, we live in the world of, of Torah, and mitzvot, da'od amot shahalacha. Have we, the disciples of King Chizkiyahu, responded to the acts of God in the last 40, 50 years as merely a routine continuation of history? Has the return to Eretz Israel, the establishment of the State of Israel, the wars, the Six-Day War, the return to Yushalayim, everything that's happened in the last 25 years, do we all just see that as history exists steady state or are we capable of indeed rising to acknowledge the words and actions the miraculous presence of God in our lives in our history in every moment on that question as to whether we will follow in Chizkiyahu's footsteps or arise above and say Shira as David HaMelech would have on the answer to that question depends the ultimate outcome of the events that we are witnessing and with that I conclude today's broadcast as well as the entire summer semester of KMTT we're going to be going on vacation now for the next month Cholish Av is traditionally the month of vacation in Yeshivot, and it's also the month of vacation of KMTT. I know you're not on vacation, at least some of you, 
But what can I do? We are. We'll be back in Chodesh Elul with a new a new set of shiurim, a new year, a new semester. Hoping you all be there. I'm hoping you will be other people to join us in what is becoming a a fast growing community of people learning daily, learning together, and learning and learning daily. I want to remind you all, those of you who already have subscribed to KMTT, to also subscribe to the mailing list. In the course of the next month, I'm going to be looking into several uh, possible technological improvements. And we have a mailing list. There's a button on the left-hand corner of the website where you can subscribe very easily, one-click subscribe. It's not a high-value mailing list, once every two or three weeks at the most. But it's for announcements, which sometimes are important to know if we change the schedule, something's missing. And in the next month, I, I, I hope there'll be important announcements to uh, improve and enhance the KMTT experience. So it, it, it's important. It's, it's definitely worthwhile to please be subscribed to the mailing list in your email. So if you're not subscribed, if you haven't subscribed yet, I know there are more people listening every day than have subscribed to the mailing list. I check the numbers. So if you haven't subscribed, go to the website, www.kimitzion.com. Dot org. That's www.kimitzion.org. You'll see on the left-hand side, top left-hand side of the website, there's a button to click in order to join the the uh, mailing list, the email mailing list. Tomorrow is Shabbat Chazon, the last Shabbat before Tisha B'Av. We read Chazon Yishayahu. We're getting in deeply into the mood of the nine days of Shavuot Shachal Shabav. I'd like to leave you with the Mamar of Chazal. The Gemara says that the Mashiach is born, was born, and is born, will be born on Tishabav. Another Gemara says the Mashiach is sitting now at the gates of Rome. I don't think the Gemara is simply trying to say kind of poetic irony. There's a certain, there's a certain aesthetic involved in the Gula beginning on the day of the destruction. I think the Gemara is saying much, something much more deeply. That in fact, Ula does arise out of destruction. It has to do with what we talked about today. Gula is not a state which simply replaces Choban. Redemption replaces destruction. But everything is history. Everything is development. And from the darkness, not just despite the darkness, but from within the darkness comes the light, the spark of, of redemption. Kashbaruch Hu promised Nabi Zechariah that the Tzom HaSiri the Tzom HaRabi'i the Tzom HaChamishi the fast days that commemorate destruction will be in the future not merely eliminated but will become days of Sasson de Simcha. Here in Yisrael we're suffering now through a very difficult time. This is not a minor skirmish in the northern border. One third of the population of Israel is under the threat of bombardment. Yesterday there were 150 rocket attacks on northern Israel. If you try to imagine what it would be like to have 150 rocket attacks on the state of New York or on London or Sydney. There were 150 rocket attacks yesterday in the state of Israel. People are being injured. Soldiers were killed yesterday in very difficult fighting. It's a time, Chodesh Av, when we would prefer not to be engaged in such things. We know it's a time that if there is a reason for God to be angry at us, 
then we will pay the price in this month. But from within that darkness, we also know that the Gula will gleam. The first sparks of the Gula will come out from the period of Av. And we hope and we pray, and I hope that all Amisal, all Jews in all places are united now in prayer before Melech Yisrael Vegala, that he should redeem his people, remember his people, and save his people, and return as king to Eretz Yisrael, raise up Keren Malchut, Malchuto, Malchut David Avdo, the horn of redemption, the horn of the Davidic kingdom. And we should all quickly merit to see the beginning of the Gula Hashlema. Biata Goel, Meshach Tzitkenu, Bimhera Biameinu, Amen. Once again, you've been listening to KMTT. This is Ezra Bik in Gush Etzion in Eretz Yisrael wishing you a Shabbat Shalom Shabbat Shalom Nechama V'chol Tov We'll be back in one month's time beginning of Cholish Alul with Shiurim before Rosh Hashanah for Rosh Hashanah then we'll have a semester in the winter see KMTT as being a permanent part of Talmud Torah of Kol Am Yisrael בברכת התורה מציון לנחמה ולגאולה קרובה לשבת שלום כל טוב and we'll be hearing from each other again in the near future